0: Chapter 5, Part 1 of Bellamy, or The History of a Scoundrel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Bellamy, or The History of a Scoundrel, by Guy de Maupassant. Translator Unknown. Chapter 5, The First Intrigue. Part one. Two months elapsed. It was September. The fortune which Duroy had hoped to make so rapidly seemed to him slow in coming. Above all, he was dissatisfied with the mediocrity of his position. He was appreciated, but was treated according to his rank. Forestier himself no longer invited him to dinner and treated him as an inferior often he had thought of making madame forestier a visit but the remembrance of their last meeting restrained him madame de marelle had invited him to call saying i am always at home about three o'clock so one afternoon when he had nothing to do he proceeded toward her house she lived on rue verneuil on the fourth floor a maid answered his summons and said yes madame is at home but i do not know whether she has risen she conducted duroy into the drawing-room which was large poorly furnished and somewhat untidy the shabby threadbare chairs were ranged along the walls according to the servant's fancy for there was not a trace visible of the care of a woman who loves her home duroy took a seat and waited some time then a door opened and Madame de marelle entered hastily clad in a japanese dressing-gown she exclaimed how kind of you to come to see me i was positive you had forgotten me she held out her hand to him with a gesture of delight and duroy quite at his ease in that shabby apartment kissed it as he had seen norbert de varennes do examining him from head to foot she cried how you have changed well tell me the news They began to chat at once as if they were old acquaintances, and in five minutes an intimacy, a mutual understanding was established between those two beings alike in character and kind. Suddenly the young woman said in surprise, "'It is astonishing how I feel with you, it seems to me as if i had known you 10 years we shall undoubtedly become good friends would that please you he replied certainly with a smile more expressive than words he thought her very bewitching in her pretty gown when near madame forestier whose impassive, gracious smile attracted, yet held at a distance, and seemed to say, I like you, yet take care. He felt a desire to cast himself at her feet, or to kiss the hem of her garment. When near Madame de Marelle, he felt a more passionate desire a gentle rap came at the door through which madame de marelle had entered and she cried you may come in my darling the child entered advanced to duroy and offered him her hand the astonished mother murmured that is a conquest the young man having kissed the child seated her by his side and with a serious air questioned her as to what she had done since they last met she replied in a flute-like voice and with the manner of a woman the clock struck three the journalist rose come often said madame de marelle it has been a pleasant causerie i shall always be glad to welcome you why do i never meet you at the forestiers for no particular reason i am very busy i hope however that we shall meet there one of these days in the course of a few days he paid another visit to the enchantress the maid ushered him into the drawing-room and lorraine soon entered she offered him not her hand but her forehead and said mamma wishes me to ask you to wait for her for about fifteen minutes for she is not dressed i will keep you company duroy who was amused at the child's ceremonious manner replied indeed mademoiselle i shall be enchanted to spend a quarter of an hour with you When the mother entered, they were in the midst of an exciting game, and Madame de Marelle paused in amazement, crying, Lorraine playing, you are a sorcerer, sir. He placed the child, whom he had caught in his arms, upon the floor, kissed the lady's hand, and they seated themselves, the child between them. They tried to converse, but Lorine, usually so silent, monopolized the conversation, and her mother was compelled to send her to her room. When they were alone, Madame de Marelle lowered her voice and said, I have a great project. It is this. As I dine every week at the Forestiers, I return it from time to time by inviting them to a restaurant. I do not like to have company at home, I am not so situated that I can have any. I know nothing about housekeeping or cooking. I prefer a life free from care, therefore I invite them to the café occasionally. But it is not lively when we are only three i am telling you this in order to explain such an informal gathering i should like you to be present at our saturdays at the Café riche at seven thirty do you know the house duroy accepted gladly he left her in a transport of delight and impatiently awaited the day of the dinner He was the first to arrive at the place appointed, and was shown into a small private room, in which the table was laid for four. That table looked very inviting, with its coloured glasses, silver, and candelabra. Duroy seated himself upon a low bench forestier entered and shook hands with him with a cordiality he never evinced at the office the two ladies will come together said he these dinners are truly delightful very soon the door opened and Madame forestier and de marelle appeared heavily veiled surrounded by the charming mystery necessary to a rendezvous in a place so public as duroy greeted the former she took him to task for not having been to see her then she added with a smile ah you prefer madame de marelle the time passes more pleasantly with her When the waiter handed the wine-list to Forestier, Madame de Marelle exclaimed, Bring the gentlemen whatever they want. As for us, we want nothing but champagne. Forestier, who seemed not to have heard her, asked, Do you object to my closing the window? My cough has troubled me for several days. Not at all his wife did not speak the various courses were duly served and then the guests began to chat they discussed a scandal which was being circulated about a society bell forestier was very much amused by it duroy said with a smile How many would abandon themselves to a caprice, a dream of love, if they did not fear that they would pay for a brief happiness, with tears and an irremediable scandal? Both women glanced at him approvingly. Forestier cried with a sceptical laugh, The poor husbands! Then they talked of love. Duroy said, when I love a woman, everything else in the world is forgotten. Madame Forestier murmured, there is no happiness comparable to that first clasp of the hand, when one asks, do you love me? And the other replies, yes, I love you madame de marelle cried gaily as she drank a glass of champagne i am less platonic forestier lying upon the couch said in a serious tone that frankness does you honour and proves you to be a practical woman but might one ask what is monsieur de marelle's opinion she shrugged her shoulders disdainfully and said, Monsieur de Marel has no opinion on that subject. The conversation grew slow. Madame de Marel seemed to offer provocation by her remarks, while Madame Forestier's charming reserve, the modesty in her voice, in her smile, all seemed to extenuate the bold sallies which issued from her lips. The dessert came, and then followed the coffee. The hostess and her guests lighted cigarettes, but Forestier suddenly began to cough. When the attack was over, he growled angrily, "'These parties are not good for me.' They are stupid. Let us go home. Madame de Marelle summoned the waiter and asked for her bill. She tried to read it, but the figures danced before her eyes. She handed the paper to Duroy. Here, pay it for me. I cannot see. At the same time she put her purse in his hand. The total was one hundred and thirty francs. Duroy glanced at the bill, and when it was settled, whispered, "'How much shall I give the waiter?' "'Whatever you like, I do not know.' He laid five francs upon the plate, and handed the purse to its owner, saying, "'Shall I escort you home?' "'Certainly. I am unable to find the house.' They shook hands with the forestiers, and were soon rolling along in a cab side by side. Duroy could think of nothing to say. He felt impelled to clasp her in his arms. "'If I should dare, what would she do?' thought he. The recollection of their conversation at dinner emboldened but the fear of scandal restrained him. Madame de Marelle reclined silently in her corner. He would have thought her asleep had he not seen her eyes glisten whenever a ray of light penetrated the dark recesses of the carriage. Of what was she thinking? Suddenly she moved her foot nervously, impatiently. That movement caused him to tremble, and turning quickly, he cast himself upon her, seeking her lips with his. She uttered a cry, attempted to repulse him, and then yielded to his caresses, as if she had not the strength to resist the carriage stopped at her door but she did not rise she did not move stunned by what had just taken place fearing that the cabman would mistrust something duroy alighted from the cab first and offered his hand to the young woman finally she got out but in silence georges rang the bell and when the door was opened he asked timidly, When shall I see you again? She whispered, so low that he could barely hear her, Come and lunch with me tomorrow. With those words she disappeared. Duroy gave the cabman a five-franc piece, and turned away with a triumphant, joyful air. He had at last conquered a married woman, a woman of the world, a Parisian. How easy it had been. End of chapter five, part one. Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.